You're listening to the Your Queer Story podcast, the podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism, led by your favorite hosts, Evan Jones and Paul Hobbs. Trigger warning. Our content covers centuries of LGBTQ plus stories, and occasionally we may use outdated language or cover topics that include violence, assault, homophobia, transphobia, as well as other injustices against marginalized communities. Make sure you subscribe and review wherever you are listening, and be sure to follow us on all social media at Your Queer Story. And if you want exclusive content, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. You're here, now let's get queer. Welcome back, Queerstians. Really excited to have you guys here with us. Um, today we are continuing part two of our episode on Harvey Milk. I was going to say two, but then I made a hashtag. So hashtag part two, Harvey Milk. Hashtag part two. But yeah, so thanks for coming back, guys. Um, we hope you had a good week. And when did, let's see, when are, where are we at? It's Monday right now, so the 9th. Nothing, nothing big happens in January. So. No, January is such a, like... A lull of a month. It is. It's very quiet. Everybody's getting back into things. Everybody's broke, broke as fuck. Oh, yeah. Broke as fuck. Nothing, no one plans anything in January. Although, my first marriage was in January. So. And where did that end up? <laughs> Just saying. Don't get married in January. It's a curse. Unless, of course, you're getting married. Congratulations. But also, make sure you <laughs> sign some subpoenas. Prenups. Prenups. That's Not what they call subpoenas. Prenups. Sign some prenups. Just in case. Um... Thankfully, I didn't have anything to worth losing, so... No, you just ended up point. owing a shit ton of money. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. You literally, so, you didn't lose anything. I, know, I, just, <laughs> I owed a lot of money because I was like, you know what, honey? I can pay for your bills on my credit card. Why don't you just use it for anything that you need? And he did. He did. So, don't give your credit cards to your new spouse. Give them a year. Wait and see if they're going to stick around or if you're going to stick around, vice versa. And then use your spouse's credit card. Exactly. If anyone's using a credit card, you should be the one using their credit card. Don't be. Don't let them use your credit card. Because you card. know what? Evan and I both did the same thing, and we both ended up with fucked up credit. You know yeah. what? We're fine now. Yeah. It took us years, though. It did, took, it did take a lot of years. Yeah, don't buy this whole thing. If your partner, your Is new boyfriend, girlfriend. eight years girlfriend, older than you. <laughs> or things or we've learned. 15 years older than you. <laughs> Okay, if they're if they're older than you and they're like, look, it's just this one thing happened with my credit. It's not my fault that my credit's shoot up. Or if they're like, oh my god, it's Best Buy, it's Black Friday. Let's buy some new stuff on your brand new credit card. Okay. If they're pushing, it's a scam. Yeah, don't do it. If they're pushing you to open the credit card, that's a red flag. Okay, if they're eight. 15, 20 years older than you, and they want to have a relationship with you. That's a red flag. If they are giving you f- fake driver's license, that's a red flag. If they're not telling you their correct age, that's a red flag. If they're All like, kinds. I own a successful business, come work for me. That's a red that's flag. Right. That's right. If they disappear to Walmart for six hours and come back and have not, have not bought anything, that is a red flag. I love to do that every night every night yeah like no I literally remember one day I tell this story a lot but I remember one day like I was just like washing dishes he's home I turn around he's gone like okay two hours later he comes back 
And I was like, hey, um, where did you go? And he, he said, oh, I had to run to Walmart for some toothpaste. And I was like, okay, where's the toothpaste? And he's like, oh, they didn't have any. <laughs> really? Walmart didn't have any toothpaste? I don't know. Maybe they were, we were, they were redoing the aisles. I don't know. I couldn't find any. For two hours. Couldn't find any toothpaste. Okay. All and right. And little old you probably... You didn't believe it, but you pretended you believed it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I just let that go right then. I mean, by then, I mean, it was starting to go down in flames. So I was just like, that wasn't the first lie. You know, that was like the zillionth lie. And I was like, you know what? Nah, I'm not going to pick. I'm not going to fight this battle because it's not going to (laughs) matter. So hope you're paying attention, Choose your battle smart. Yeah, yeah. Also, before we get started, we just want to give a special shout out to uh, the Night's Wishing Well by Michael Finlang. Yes, uh, Michael has been a, for, not only has he been a dedicated supporter of ours, which we greatly appreciate, but he's also written a fantastic children's novel. It is wonderful. It is literally, I don't read much. No, he doesn't. The last book I read prior to this was The Hunger Games, and that was, how long ago was that? That was, before, that was when I lived in Indiana. That was years and years ago. But it's honestly super fun, super cute. I like to read it when I'm... I read it while I was in the bathtub with a bath bomb. Mm. Great experience. Yeah. I would recommend 10 out of 10. Um, the Night's Wishing Well with a K, like a night, not like nighttime. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's great. Yeah, and you can order it on Amazon. You can order a digital copy. A digital... A digital copy. Or you can order a hard copy. Amazon Prime. Get to your house in two days. Um, I just... I, I always We always say this, but it's great for... Those drag queen story hours, if you're a drag queen mm-hmm. and you're doing a story hour at a local library, um, you this is a great book. Um, there was another article in uh, the news about, um, so a, drag, a, uh, a conservative Republican lawmaker had um, sued a local library for having a drag mm-hmm. queen story hour, and a federal judge threw it out, so that's good, but... I, it's like such an incredible controversy, and I don't get it. But, you know. Yeah, I, 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 I yeah. Will, I will never understand there any way that a homophobic straight white man can can crush the queer community. They yeah. will attempt to do it. Exactly, exactly. But if you want to stick it to them, uh, then buy the Knights Wishing Well on Amazon Prime. Six dollars. Don't need a copy to your local library. Exactly, and be like. Oh, Fuck you and your homophobia, transphobia, queerphobia, all your phobias. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and also, and a thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. And if you want to become a supporter yourself and get access to our exclusive content, you can go to patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. We just released a video. Okay, well, the video was public of us reacting <laughs> to Cardi B's new music video. Yeah. But coming soon, there will be more exclusive reaction videos. There's more exclusive... Oh, yeah. All kinds of videos. You oh, don't know uh, what yeah. you're missing out. You on. don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's a mix. We're getting more. We're gonna this year. Uh, we're gonna become more prominent on YouTube. Uh, well, there will be public videos, and then there will be videos that you can only get through Patreon. My transition updates, um, a few other things that we're doing, and on top of it all, you're supporting a queer podcast, uh, queer history, making sure that it stays out there, and we're educating the younger generations and the older generations. 
Um, so it's important, and every little bit helps. Absolutely. So, thank you, guys. And again, we just want to reiterate that every single penny goes directly either into the podcast or into the queer community. None of the money goes into our pockets. In fact, our money goes into the podcast. It's cost us quite a bit so far, yep. and um, we don't plan on stopping. So yeah, your support really means a lot to us. Yeah, so thanks again, guys. And before we jump back in, um, what did you do this week? This week I was working on a few websites that people, you know, commissioned from me. Um, and also just making some final arrangements for my cruise that I'm going on in February. Yeah. But other than that, I had a pretty chill week. Yeah. I am, so Samantha and I signed up for this, so we love movies. Which the movies is an experience. I will fight you on that. I love movies, but you have to do it right. So we love movies so much, so we signed up like our local theater, the Showcase Cinemas, which is not that local, but um, they have like the subscription pass where you can get three movies a month for basically the price of one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so it's like ten dollars a person or something. Uh, no, well, that's like twelve or that's something. Person. But no, it's not bad. So you you know, it's for two people. Yeah, it's like twenty five bucks or something. It's really good. And so we were like, oh, this is great. We're going to definitely use this. And now we've had it for a month and we have to watch two movies. So we went and saw The Favorite with um, oh, uh, Rachel Weisz and Emma Stone. Stone, yes, redhead. Uh, I, I, she, I love Emma Stone. I, it's it's got to be Stone. I, there's so many Emmas. Um, and then um, we saw... Stop naming your daughters Emma. That's okay. There's too many of them in the world. <laughs> yes. And then we saw... Um, and then we're, we're going to go see our other one, um, which will probably be Aquaman, just because there's not really anything else. I actually liked Aquaman when I was a kid. I was one of the few kids that like really loved that cartoon. Did you ever watch it? No. No. I watched Spongebob. Okay, so that was... They had Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. Which is basically a play off of Aquaman, yes. But, uh, yeah. So, anyways. Um, but, yes, you know, same thing. January, slow. I l- is... Okay, I love January's because it's, like, the perfect month to recover mm-hmm. after you were fucking busy from October yeah. until January. Yeah, you can Literally, me... from October till January, you're fucking busy. So, like, January hits and you're like... I'm going to sit in pajamas and not do anything for three days. Yeah, that's basically been what my days off have been. Because before that, my days off were just crazy. Chaos. Pure chaos. Yeah, every time I had a moment to spare. And now I can sit on my couch and binge watch TV shows and just do nothing all day. And it's really fun. Mm -hmm. So thank you, January, for this (laughs) reprieve. Um, But yeah, so nothing much going on. Um, Yeah. Are we ready to get back into this? Let's do it. Part All two of Harvey right. Milk, everyone. Part two. So if you don't remember from last week, you haven't gone back and listened to that episode, you really should. You're going to be a little lost, but that's okay. Um, we were at where Harvey had just mounted his first campaign for a city supervisor. He had no political experience, and he also ran this campaign with no funds, no staffing, no endorsements. He was just like, I'm going to run for office. And he did, and he lost. But... He did like get a taste of the political world, and now it was it became an obsession with him. I sound quite quite a lot like him because there's a lot of times where I'm like, I don't know how to do this. I'm just going to do it. Yeah, there you go. Why not? Why <laughs> not? So <clears throat> I know, and also during this time, uh, because we're picking up right here, he starts. So he he loses in 1973. And he, he's got this experience, so he starts to build his name in and around, especially in the gay community, and especially on Castro Street, which is a historic uh, 
place in queer culture and especially in San Francisco queer culture and history. So Harvey Milk goes around, he's building a name for himself and he's labeled himself the mayor of Castro Street. So now more experienced and popular, Harvey decided to run for supervisor again in 1975. He also worked hard on the mayoral on the mayoral election of George Mascone. Mascone was a state legislator who had helped to repeal the sodomy laws in California a year earlier. Through Harvey's name and hard work, Mascone won his election. However, Jim Foster, Harvey's archenemy, still wasn't impressed by Milk and in fact trusted him even less than before. Once again, the Alice Club, which was the uh, local gay Democratic club, refused to endorse Harvey, and this divide in the queer community certainly hurt Harvey's chances at winning the election. Though he had improved greatly in his former campaign issues of funding, staffing, and support, he still, he still narrowly lost the election. So for the second time, he runs for city supervisor, and for the second time, he loses. You know what, though? Perseverance. That's right. Um, but, but Milk didn't completely lose out. His hard work for Mayor Moscone earned him a seat on the permit board. He also had a front row seat to the unfolding politics of the next two years. During this time, Mayor Moscone appointed Charles Gaines as police chief, a former officer from Oakland who had been openly critical of the San Francisco Police Department. The San Francisco Police already deeply disliked Mayor Moscone, but this appointment pushed them into hatred. Not only did they openly object to Gaines' appointment, but through Gaines, Mayor Moscone forced the PD to have a more tolerant approach to the San Francisco homosexual community. The police had been terrorizing the queer community, only increasing their abuse as political climate shifted in favor of gay rights. What do you mean you're going to appoint this man? I just want to go fucking hate the queers. That's right. There's nothing wrong with a little queer bashing, huh? Right. It's what we always said. I'm really surprised because San Francisco is such... It's so queer. It has always been Literally. so queer. It's always been so queer. And so I don't like the the San Francisco police being so anti-gay. It's odd. But then again, you have policemen that are entrenched in, in areas that are heavily populated with people of color. Mm-hmm. And you would think like, hey, this is the area. This is the demographic. You wouldn't be so fucking racist. But they are. You yeah. know? Yeah. So well, the problem is these... Middle-aged white men get in power. Mm-hmm. They have two-inch dicks, <laughs> and they feel like this power. Like I don't know, they feel like they're better than. They feel like I'm the man. You're gonna listen to me. I'm gonna control you. Yeah. If you do anything that I don't like, you're in trouble because yeah. I'm in power. Yeah. And they get into these marginalized communities because they already don't like them, mm-hmm. and it just gives them this big power trip. Oh yeah, definitely. And then they have the law behind them. They're Right you know, behind them, and there was, and like we said, I mean, the, by now it's 1975. It wasn't until 1974 that the sodomy laws were even repealed. And even though there were sodomy laws were still in place all over the country, and there were problems, other police departments weren't attacking the gay community as heavily as the San Francisco department. You know, we had we, in our last um, episode we quoted in 1971 the SF department. Uh, arrested almost 3,000 gay men. It was 2,800 gay men that they arrested um, for like sexual misconduct. That's like 10 men a day. <laughs> exactly. On In contrast, the New York the Police Department only arrested 61 men that entire year. And that don't is... tell me there's less gays in New York. <laughs> Literally, though. Exactly. We're just sitting here looking at Paul's cat. We both got distracted. He's really needy right now. Yeah. 
So, yeah, so, I mean, so, obviously they had a clear bigotry problem. This wasn't just that they were so overrun with homosexuals that they didn't know what to do. This was, uh, there was anti They're uh, spilling under the streets! Exactly. How do I prevent this? It's a sodomy circus out here! (laughs) Um, That's one of my favorite lines ever. It's from our Holly Gay episode. You should check it out. Um, But... What's it called? So, so George Moscone comes in, he appoints a new chief, and he also makes the chief hire gay men, which I think I might have put in here anyways. Um, <clears throat> so I, I don't know if I put that in there, if I said that. But yeah, he forced the uh, the police chief to um, open and hire uh, you know gay and lesbians. So meanwhile, Harvey managed to hold his seat on the permit board for only five weeks. He was fired when he defied mayoral orders and announced a run for California State Assembly. City officials were not allowed to run a campaign while conducting their appointed duties. Harvey used his firing to paint himself as a political outcast, which connected him more to the working man. He could constantly be heard telling any and everyone about the conspiracy of injustice against him. This included the press, and Harvey was a master at media manipulation. And this is where he starts to really evolve his story and tell people that he was dishonorably discharged from the mm-hmm. Navy because he was a homosexual, which was not true at all. Um, and it, I kind of split. I I know we said that like politicians they lie and they do. It's kind of what's that? What's the and and every like media moguls? What's that guy? Um, he was a uh, a news. Uh, anchor, and he lied for years about um, about being in a battle one day. I can't remember what his name. Oh, no, I remember. All right, never mind. Forget that. Anyways, <laughs> no. If you're all politicians lie to some degree because you're gonna say what you're gonna say to get to where you want to go. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and it made people more sympathetic. We're not saying that it's right. We were just saying that that's what they do. That's that's just. But what I happens. do think it, it is. That's why it, we don't do politics. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it is insulting to those who actually were dishonorably discharged for being gay. Because there's plenty of people that were dishonorably discharged. And they discharged. had to deal with the consequences. Mm-hmm. While well, this motherfucker, Harvey Muck, sorry. Yeah. He's yeah. just going around, you know. He's kind of a motherfucker. He's just going around say, using these other people's sufferings to his advantage. Yeah. When he never had to deal with the consequences. Exactly. Yeah. And he, he kind of had, I mean, I don't know if he had a persecution complex, but he definitely knew how to project it. Mm-hmm. He definitely knew how to, you know, show himself as just the poor guy getting beat up on every side. So as a master of media manipulation, that would come into play when he used these skills for his next stunt. On September 22nd, 1975, a young woman attempted to assassinate President Gerald Ford. Her efforts were thwarted by a passing Marine, Oliver Sipple. Oliver had dated one of Harvey's ex-lovers, and Harvey knew who he was. He also knew that Oliver kept his sexuality private from work and the general public. After he saved the president's life, the press tried desperately to get an interview with the hero, but he stayed quiet. That is, until Harvey Milk got on the phone and sold the story which outed the soldier and also happened to make Harvey look like a local gay leader. Despite Oliver's insistence that his sexuality remain private, Harvey thought he knew better. He justified the outing by saying, It's too good an opportunity. For once we can show that gays do heroic things, not just all that caca about molesting children and hanging out in bathrooms. Which is, Harvey should have never outed him, Yeah. but if he had came out in his own, it would mm-hmm. have been good for the community. Yeah. But that's not, that's his choice to make. That's exactly. not Harvey's choice to make. That's not Harvey's choice to make. It's kind of like when, uh, it's funny, on the last episode we talked about how James Franco has played like a zillion gay roles, and he's never just like come out and said that he was gay. I don't know for sure if he is, I definitely don't think he's straight, but that, again, that's, would it be helpful 
it, I I mean, at this point, I don't know how much it would be helpful, but it might be. It would have, would have been helpful for Rock Hudson to out himself. Oh, yes. Yeah. But again, they get to make that choice. Would it have been helpful for Freddie Mercury to out himself? Yeah. But again, that's not, that's not anyone's choice to make. You can't out people no matter how you think it's going to help the community in the end. So while Harvey got his name in almost every newspaper in the country, Oliver was devastated. His mother cut him off. The press was relentless, and eventually Oliver sued the San Francisco Chronicle, the initial paper that dropped the story, for violation of privacy. But none of this mattered to Harvey Milk. Those closest to him were beginning to push away as Harvey became obsessed with winning an election. He continued his campaign to win the California State Assembly seat, even though the Democratic Party and half of the gay community was supporting another candidate. But Milk was getting good at recruiting help. This time, he reached out to a local powerhouse church called People's Temple and led by the fiery pastor, Jim Jones. Yes, the Jim Jones of Jonestown. Hey Christians, do you own a business? Are you an author or an entertainer? And would you like a great way to grow your audience? Well, this commercial slot could be yours. For just $20 a month, we can advertise your show on our podcast. And as a rapidly growing queer content source, we want to help get your name out there. So if you want even more promotion, you can just choose our $30 tier to get ads and links on our website. And for only $40 a month, we'll review your product on our YouTube channel and link it to all of our social media. So go ahead, send an email to your queer story at gmail today or reach out to us on social media via messenger and let us make your business a little more queer bye Bye. while his relationship with jones was purely political it is true that harvey defended the cult leader well after legitimate allegations of abuse had come to light he actually wrote the president of the united states and asked the president not to believe all the horrible things they were saying about Jim Jones. He's a great man. He's done wonderful things for the community. Now, this is Jim Jones in the 70s. Jim Jones in the 50s, you could have said those things. Jim Jones in the 70s was off his fucking rocker, and he was about to take two thousand or about to take 1,000 people to Guyana and have them drink Kool-Aid and die. And they were, the signs were showing. You know, it wasn't even Kool-Aid. Oh, yes, I know. It, it was, was like Flavor-Aid. So not only did he kill these people, mm-hmm. he didn't even give them the good shit. He couldn't even give them real Kool-Aid. Literally. You know what? I don't know if Flavor Aid is mad or happy that they missed out on that. Because you hear the term don't drink the Kool-Aid. Would they have been happy if they said don't drink the Flavor Aid? No, I feel like popular? they would have been like they were probably like just just let them go. But do Kool-Aid. you think it's hurt Kool-Aid's brand at all that they No, but Kool-Aid's a lot bigger than Flavor Aid. Yeah. But would if... but this is the seventies. Would Flavor Aid have become bigger? Oh, that's a good point. If the, the, the term was don't drink the Flavor Aid, would people reach for the Flavor Aid on the shelf instead of the Kool Aid? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So many questions. <laughs> but. Yeah, so Harvey Milk defended the man who took all these people's lives. So. Oh, yeah, he was a friend. He spoke at his church. Um, and, oh, if you want to read a great book on Jim Jones, Road to Jonestown by Jeff Ginn. You gotta read it. You can also listen to it. Whatever you want to do. And I'm also gonna put out there that if you listen on YouTube, the recordings of the actual event are on there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah Don't listen can... to them if you. I mean, you can if you want. I listen to them. It's pretty horrible because you just hear the suicide tapes. Yeah, yeah. you just hear everybody like screaming, crying in pain, and then it slowly gets more and more yeah. quiet. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up, but it's on there. Yeah. Oh yeah, you can hear because Jim Jones recorded everything. Mm-hmm. He literally recorded like everything that he did. Yeah, and he recorded all the people slowly dying and people coming up to him and asking if there was another way, any other way that they could be saved. And Jim just being like, No, no, no other way. Oh, he was the worst piece of shit, but oh. 
He was, when it comes to cult leaders, he was the guy. He was the man. Mm-hmm. And I say that, I don't know how I say that, because I don't admire the man, but I admired his cult status. His ability to manage people. He snuck, he snuck, smuggled 1,000 people out of the country to a remote location, convinced them to live in the middle of fucking nowhere in a jungle, and then convinced 900 of them to die. That is, that's an evil, evil person. That is an evil person. Um, but anyways, but that was Harvey Milk's good friend. Not good friend. We shouldn't say good friend. You know, and, and it, there were other politicians in the area that did the same thing because People's Temple was a huge church i was going up to look at something people's temple was a huge church and so it was like the political powerhouse if you Mm -hmm. want it to get and they were they were very very politically involved so if you want it to get votes you had to go through people's Mm -hmm. temple so sometimes i feel like harvey milk's enemies make a little too much of the fact that he knew jim jones but it was like everybody did that yeah um also jim jones was arrested for sucking guys off in a bathhouse so uh, i didn't know that one yeah maybe one day when we do like you know, queer uh, queer individuals who are villains, we'll throw Jim Jones in there. You know, instead of our villains of the LGBTQ. Or maybe when we cover a something in the future. Oh, maybe on the other things that we're working on. <laughs> so, all right. Anyways. But by even the deep influence of the future Jonestown residents wasn't enough for Harvey to win. He lost by only 4,000 votes. Yet, he was poised for another run the very next year, and this time, Harvey Milk would have his victory. You know what? That's the key to persistence. He was, he was like, you know what, everybody? We lost a little bit less this time. Let's do it again. Yeah. So he, um, and he was He's like Hillary Clinton. He is. He's like, you know what? I lost to Barack. I lost like 13 other times. I'm gonna I'm gonna run again. One more time. And you know what? We got Donald Trump, so. Yeah, so. Yeah, um. What was I going to say about, oh, so, like, during this time, like, he was pushing people away, but he was, he was attracting people that didn't know him, but those closest to him were getting more and more turned off by him. So mm-hmm. his longtime partner, Scott, was just, like, becoming disgusted with Harvey. It wasn't the man that he fell in love with. Right. And Harvey would recruit people by just standing on the street, and he would find young men that he found attractive, and he would, like, flirt with them and bring them in, which was something that they did show in the show Milk. They showed mm-hmm. that him, like, constantly flirting with young boys and bringing them in, speculation that he had relationships with some of them. But that was the base of his, like, um, his fan base. Mm-hmm. So. Um, on November 8th of 1977, Harvey won the city supervisor position he had been seeking for four years. He was the first openly gay man to win an election in the United States. Upon entering his new position, Harvey declared himself the number one queen. He literally said that. Of course he did. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) One of the first issues Milk voted on was the placement of a new mental health facility. Initially, Harvey sided with the bill's strongest opponent, Dan White. But after more research, Harvey switched his vote at the last minute. From that point on, Dan White voted opposite of Harvey on every issue. Of course he did. (laughs) Bitter-ass bitches. Even when White was the only supervisor to oppose a bill that outlawed discrimination based on sexual orientation. Yeah, it was like a really popular bill. Good way Um, to make yourself a villain for no reason. It's true. Dan White was known for holding a grudge. Like, he could, he's one of the, have you ever met one of those people, like, they decide they don't like you, and there's nothing you can do from that point. They're like, no, no, no. When I worked at CBS, okay, and when I was training to become a manager, there was this one woman. No matter what I did, she hated me. 
I argued with this woman multiple times. She was significantly older than me. She mm-hmm. was she's in her fifties, I think. I literally pulled her into the office and like we had a yelling fight. I was yeah. like, What is your problem with me? <laughs> Why? What's going on? Yeah. She didn't have shit to say. Of course. Of course. But let me tell you, she was mad at me for everything I did. No matter what I did, yeah. nothing was good. And she took my passport picture to go on my wonderful cruise. Wow. So look at you getting back at her and then oh. you Go ahead, take my picture. Oh, mm, thank you. I'm going on a cruise while you fucking work, you stupid bitch. Wow. But you don't have a grudge, for sure. No, she said some really fucked up stuff. Yeah, she, she was. She was like... She was like, oh, you're gonna... We were looking for a new employee. Mm-hmm. This I was training under her, so I yeah. had no authority at this time. And she's like, oh, you're gonna hire that person from Puerto Rico? Do they even know how to speak English? She was uh, one of those kind of people. No, I'm like, yeah. No. So I don't hold a grudge against her. Yeah. I just think she's a disgusting person. Yeah, but that's okay. That's fair. I don't I don't understand the people that go through life and you get the slightest slight, like the, the littlest thing. Someone didn't invite you to a party. Someone said something to you once. And now it's like, now I'm done with that person. I can't stand I literally that. don't know what I did to her. Yeah, I know. I can't. I have absolutely no idea. What, what life is that? They're like, I'm just rid of toxic people. You're rid of all people. <laughs> Every, no, everybody fucking makes mistakes, dumbass. I don't know. I literally can't, like, I like ran a secret Santa one year and she's like, yeah. Oh, you put my name in there? How do you know I want to do it? I was like, okay, I'm sorry. I'll take you out. And she's like, no, I'm going to do it. But I just want to know, how did you know I was going to do it? And I was like, well, I haven't passed it out yet. I just put everybody's name in and I'm going around to everyone right now to figure out if they're going to do it. How fucking annoying. Literally. I don't get people. Girls and girl, I, that takes me back to like high school or I will say the gay community. You run into a few. I mean, that's people. I shouldn't say the gay community, but it's just the, the queens that are like, I decided I don't like you and now I don't like you. I'm done with you. I don't know, but whatever. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> but Dan, but Dan White was one of those people. So one time, Harvey Milk uh, votes against him on something, and Dan was like, "That's it, I'm done with Harvey." And the um, yeah, and so and the, the sexual orientation bill. So you couldn't fire someone based on their sexual orientation. Like everybody was like, "This is a great." law let's sign it in and dan white was the only one that wasn't but that would come back later to bite him in the ass because it makes him look like he was a homophobe Mm -hmm. really he could have been but also he was just petty as fuck right so so there are some sources that state dan white was not homophobic and simply did not like harvey milk and harvey did have a way of turning the professionals off you know we talked about how people that were closest to him really had a problem with them some have said white had a history of supporting the queer community Blogger Daniel Flynn stated that Dan White had donated to gay activist causes. He had hired a gay campaign manager and has supported a bill to fund a local pride center. He did fire that gay campaign manager, Mm -hmm. though. So, honestly, homophobia in the 1970s presented itself a lot different than it does today. We have no problem labeling Dan White as a homophobe if he was, but the way the following events unfolded, it's hard to know if these were the actions of homophobia or a mentally unstable man, or both. So despite the friction between the two men, Harvey was still responsible for two large victories during his first year in office. He did draft the past Non-Discrimination Act. He also also was the main backer of the very popular Pooper Scooper Law. Yes, Milk's greatest political achievement was making sure that dog owners picked up their pet's shit. (laughs) Everybody's got something. A gay man working on shit. (laughs) <laughs> you said that joke, not me. 
<laughs> happens. Shit happens. Yeah. But we don't want to belittle the law. Not only did it save people from stepping on dog turds, but it was a very strategic move. Harvey was a man who understood the most basic public needs. His attention to the small things is how a gay man in his 40s, with no political background or training, could recreate himself as a successful politician. While many of Harvey's enemies have tried to belittle his political success, the truth is he overcame incredible obstacles. It would have been interesting to see how far his career could have gone, but that chance never came. Yeah, it is. I mean, you can look at him and say, oh, he wasn't successful. But he doesn't start getting in politics till he's in his 40s. Right. And by the time he's 48, he's won a position. He's become popular. He's re, uh, he re, um, like ignited uh, the revenue on Castro Street, the mm-hmm. business district. He uh, gets a non-discrimination act pass. He does do the pooper scooper law, which people are very excited about. Like he ran on that promise and he followed through and people are like, yes. Finally. I don't have to fucking step on dog shit. I don't know how much dog shit was all over San Francisco, (laughs) but it was enough where people are like, this needs to be a main fucking point. So, like, he did these things, you know, you could say he wasn't successful because we didn't get a chance to see how far he would have gone. Right. Think about current politicians. Mm -hmm. You don't really see politicians making moves until their 50s, 60s, 70s. Yeah, really, yeah. You know? Mm These people, you can't even become president until what, 35? Yeah, 35. So, yeah. I mean, have we even have a 30, ever had a 35-year-old president? Not 35. I think Barack Obama was like 37 or 38. Yeah. He was the youngest. So, I mean, getting in, just getting started, I mean, in your 40s is not uncommon. No. No, it's not. It's really not. And, and again, I have no doubt that Harvey Milk would have gone further. I don't know how far he could have gone. Or which path he would have went either. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think he would have went anti-gay. For Mm, sure he wouldn't have went anti-gay. Would he have gone as far as pushing pro-gay, though? Or would he have tried to maintain status quo, kind of maybe slowly working on progress? How how liberal would he have been? I think he would have been pretty liberal because he he had so much support from the gay community. Mm -hmm. But you're right. As he expanded further out of sight of of San Francisco... How liberal, you start yeah. li- you start limiting because he was obsessed with being a politician at this point. This was not a gay rights agenda for him. He ran on that. He just wanted to be a politician. But he wanted to be a politician. And this was what won him in San Francisco. And if he got outside of it, San Francisco and he was running for like uh, a state legislator seat, would he have pushed the gay community so right, as far? Right, that's I don't my know. question. But he was an openly gay man, so it's not that there wouldn't have been a topic. Right. But I don't know that he would have focused on those issues. No, I think Harvey Milk would have done what he needed to do to win an mm-hmm. office. So after just 11 months on the board of supervisors, Harvey Milk was thriving and Dan White was drowning. White put in his resignation to Mayor Mescone. He stated his annual salary of $9,600 wasn't enough to support his family. The average salary of American households during this time was around $10,000, just so people know. So it was a little less than what you could make, um, but it, yeah, it was, it was kind of low. But I mean, it's a city supervisor position. Four days later, White asked for his job back, and the mayor initially agreed. Then, after pushback from some of the other supervisors, including Harvey Milk, the mayor refused to give Dan his job back. On November 27, 1978, Dan White crawled through a basement in City Hall, bypassing metal detectors, and headed to the mayor's office. There, he shot Mayor Moscone four times. White then went to his office, reloaded his gun, and on his way back ran into Harvey Milk. He pulled Harvey into a side office and proceeded to shoot him five times. 
Milk was only 48 years old and just shy of one year in office when he was murdered. I We don't know if he went there. That's another thing. He went there to murder the mayor. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he was going to go on a shooting rampage or what. It just says that he ran into Milk. Mm. Was he looking for Milk? I don't know. You know, we don't know. He did what he did. Yeah. So Dan White turned himself into authorities within hours. As he sat in his cell with his former colleagues, White had once been on the police force, the San Francisco Police Department told Harvey Milk jokes. In the days after the assassination, police openly wore free Dan White t-shirts. One undersheriff for San Francisco later stated, The more I observed what went on at the jail, the more I began to stop seeing what Dan White did as the act of an individual and began to see it as a political act in a political environment. The trial itself was a national sensation. The jury was comprised of white middle-class San Franciscans who were mostly Catholic. After anyone who was a minority was excused from the jury pool. Some of the members of the jury even cried when they heard White's tearful recorded confession. Yeah, so there's just like no balance on this this jury. Mm-hmm. Just white middle-class people in the 70s who, you know, um, you know, like they're sad, but... It, and, there, and Harvey Milk had faced numerous death threats and, uh, not assassination tips, but, a, you know, threats of assassination. Like, that was a re- very real thing for mm-hmm. his candidacy and for his um, his term as city supervisor. So, you know, but um, again, as they're trying this, there's just, whether it was the, the climate, you know, at the time or just uh, someone fumbled the ball, there's just no real direction to see this as, you know, as like a hate crime, right. you know, or even, you know, yeah. So White's defendant or uh, White's defense attorney, Doug Schmidt, presented the infamous Twinkie defense. He argued that his client was not responsible for his actions and used the legal defense known as diminished capacity. Schmidt stated, Good people, fine people with fine backgrounds, simply don't kill people in cold blood. <laughs> I mean, he, he did, but okay, whatever. He didn't go there with a gun and just shoot these people. <laughs> no, he didn't crawl through a basement window, go up, find the mayor, shoot him four and times. In, and intentionally bypass metal detectors. Yeah, yeah. He didn't do any of that. No, go back to his office, reload his gun, and no, no, the good people, fine backgrounds. You mean white people that, yeah. So the straight white guys, they don't just simply kill people in cold blood. The lawyer tried to prove that White's anguished mental state was a result of manipulation by the politicos in the city hall who had consistently disappointed and confounded him. This straight white man didn't get what he deserved. That's right. So he just he just got. What great. else was he supposed to do? He just lost his mind. He didn't get. He he he's entitled to these things. Yes, exactly. How did he not get his entitlements? You think if you don't give this white man everything he deserves, he's not going to lose his mind and kill people? I don't know. I, I don't know what history books you're reading. I I don't know. Certainly how it goes. So the final straw came when Mayor Moscone promised to give White his job back, only to refuse him again. But I'm just to say this for the UK young kids. Don't quit your job and then go back two days later and ask for your job back. If you're going to quit your job, fucking quit your job, bitch. Don't try to go back. Yeah, like, definitely don't. You, you ain't going back. But yeah, I know. You quit your job. Like, like, sorry, buddy. I mean, that shows that maybe you're not ready. You know, maybe you should take a break. Maybe this isn't for you. Mm-hmm. You know? So, um... So the mayor refused to give him his job back. Schmidt said that White's mental deterioration was demonstrated and exasperated by his junk food binge the night before the murders. 
since he was usually known to have been a health conscious man. He had, that... he didn't have a bad day and just needs some fucking snack food to make himself feel better. No, his mental state cracked. That's right. He did not get his white entitlement, so he went on a binge of Twinkies and chocolate. That's right. I... And that is a clear sign that someone is going to go on a mass spree. They can kill as many people that they want. They're a straight white man. It doesn't matter. The, my, the amount of people that I should have murdered because I went on a junk food I had cho- I had ice cream for dinner yesterday. <laughs> I literally ate an entire pint of ice cream for dinner yesterday. Does that mean I yeah. should have been... A, I could have fucking killed some people yesterday. Yeah. Why didn't we I? Have, we've been... The amount of alcohol and maybe <laughs> drugs that we've consumed, we should have killed somebody and we didn't but we missed this our calling. guy we missed our true calling <laughs> just going on rampages and i mean like, i'm sorry your honor according to this person <laughs> junk food means you go on a rampage i had a piece the of amount, cake last night and i don't know what you expected my 21st birthday icing on the ceiling could yeah. have been a whole rampage there could have could have missed our calling missed it we missed it this guy he eats a box of twinkies and now he's just gonna go kill a couple people so, because of this defense, the local newspapers dubbed it the Twinkie defense. Dan White was acquitted of the first-degree murder charges on May 21st, 1979, but found guilty of voluntary manslaughter of both victims, and he was sentenced to serve seven and two-thirds years. That's right. These people don't get to live the rest of their lives, but you know what? We're only going to put you away for seven years. It's fine. Not even seven years, because... With the sentence reduced... For time served and good behavior, he would be released in five. Good job, Dan. You colored in the lines and he ate your food on time. You know what? You killed two people, but go ahead. Get back out on the street. You're a straight white man. You didn't mean it. While he had previously exhibited little remorse for his slain victims, at his own sentencing, he cried. Now he breaks down. It's like, I don't know. I'm going to jail? Well... Well, come, a guy can't have a couple Twinkies and kill a few people and, and not go to I'm prison. A, I'm a good straight man. I only killed the homosexual in this border. <laughs> uh, and when the crowd outside heard the verdict, a mob of over 3,000 people erupted into riots. For hours, the angry citizens lit fires, smashed windows and doors, and basically attempted to burn City Hall to the ground. I probably would have been there. You probably would have. I definitely would You would have been there, and I would have been on the side, like, writing everything down, recording it for something, and you would have been throwing bricks through windows. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) The riots would become known as the White Knight Riots, and would cause almost 200 injuries and over a million dollars in damages. So I'm going to say this. If you're rioting, don't hurt anyone. No. Don't hurt... And don't hurt businesses. No, don't hurt businesses riot against the place you're targeting well yeah if you're rioting at city hall burn city hall down as long as there's nobody inside no just how about staying outside with some signs what's that gonna accomplish i don't know but i just Fucking don't kill dan i don't white. you kill dan white you can't write why and not didn't anybody kill dan white imagine that you woke up one morning because people would ride in the street possibly for a good cause and your car is destroyed so now you have to take care of sixteen thousand dollars worth of damage no, because people that's decide why to I said, riot. riot against the place not against everybody else well what's the that doesn't that never happens well that's riots because, are chaos you know what that's because people get hurt 200 people got hurt in this well guess what riots have to happen ah uh, well <laughs> I agree to disagree. <laughs> when questioned by a reporter's own writer, it is said to have stated, just tell them we ate too many Twinkies. Exactly. <laughs> Bias would have been out there with boxes of Twinkies. I would have been like, 
I would have been using them like grenades. I would have been like, tweaking to people like, come on, everybody. <laughs> Burn it off. <laughs> Everything goes, apparently. I would have, you know I would have. I would have been so extra That's out there. That's right. I would have. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. good. Good to know. Next riot, Paul will be there with a box of Twinkies. So, as a result of the Twinkie defense, California would later outlaw the diminished capacity defense for trial cases. As for Dan White, he would serve his five years in prison and a year after his release would commit suicide. And Harvey Milk, he finally got the recognition and legacy he so deeply craved. He has been immortalized in countless books, documentaries, memorials, and lists of heroes and icons. Throughout Harvey's campaign and subsequent victory, assassination has had always been a threat and a definite possibility. Perhaps that is why, on a tape where he recorded his thoughts, he eerily made the statement, If a bullet should enter my brain, let that bullet destroy every closet door. Prophetic, huh? Oh, that that gives me chills every time I hear that. Yeah. No matter how much. Mm -mm. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, and the thing with Harvey Milk... You know, he's a complicated guy. He's a he's a person. You know, he's a person. He's a human being. He's a human being. He was a flawed human being. But his he was not... I feel like sometimes he's made to be like the Martin Luther King Jr. of the gay rights movement. And he was not. No. He definitely but, was not a villain. No. He just used his stance as a gay man to portray himself as a victim yeah and yes he was a victim of discrimination i'm sure throughout his life oh yeah yeah but he did not face the difficulties that other people in his community faced and he Mm -hmm. used that to his advantage he did he did he manipulated it so that he could win but i will say i mean his death i do you know he was committed to the queer community i will say that at least up until that point in life, we like we say, we don't know what would happen as time went on, but at least through his death, he was committed to queer community. And his death did, I mean, that was a turning point. Like, mm-hmm. his death was another stonewall for the queer community. Like, stonewall had happened almost 10 years earlier, and, like, we were gaining momentum, but it, we were struggling, and Harvey Milk's assassination really lit a fire on people. Yeah, and it, so you know, it was, you know, back-to-back events. Yeah, and... it was a game-changer, so, you know, and... um and then, yeah, it, it was a sad story, but, um, I mean, we, you know, it opened the doors for a lot of other politicians since then, you know, and, uh, the Congress just had their queerest Congress Queerest, ever. most diverse, diverse, most people of color, most women, like the whole yeah. mix of everything was so diverse and it was, it was honestly beautiful to it see. It was, yeah. Watching and all those I, I'm just hoping, it, yeah, yeah, I'm hoping it continues in that direction. I yeah. hope. I hope that when we see the 2020 elections, the Democrats don't try to pan to the white people because um, to my fear is that they're going to try to pan to that audience. Oh, yeah. To counteract to counteract Trump. But I'm hoping that they don't do that because that's going to hurt them. They're going to lose their base. I'm I'm really hoping that they're smart enough to push. We don't need that audience. We don't need that audience. Like America is is a country of my of so-called minorities. The minorities are the base of America Mm -hmm. now. And, you know, keep playing to us. We're the ones that are making the change. We're the ones that are creating progress. You keep playing to us and you're going to win us, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, but anyways, yeah, kids, that's Harvey Milk. This complicated man in a nutshell. I hope that we presented accurate history because I didn't want to, like we said, I don't want to make him a hero, but also he's not a villain. I just want to give an accurate He was know, a human being who lived the life. Him. Yeah. 
who did what he wanted to do with his life, just like yeah. Evan's doing, just like I'm yeah. doing. So, yeah, he's a human. Like like Paul said, try something new. He woke up one day. Harvey Milk woke, woke up one day, decided he was running for office, and that run ended up changing American politics. Whether you like so, him or not, yeah, whether you like him or not. So, um, go buy a box of Twinkies tonight. Sit on your bed. Tweet us a picture of you eating them. That would be really Please interesting. Please do. Please do. I have not had a Twinkie in forever, but the, I, don't I remember. remember those things are so fucking good. If one person tweets us a picture of them eating a Twinkie, Evan and I will eat a Twinkie on live, ASMR style, <laughs> when we record our next podcast. Yes, we will. I promise. Yes, we will. We will eat a Twinkie for you. So, uh, yeah, eat a box of Twinkies. Stay queer. Don't get a lobotomy. Uh, we love you, our little allied hookers. And our gorgeous succulent sapphists. So until next time, goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at Your Queer Story. Like what you heard? Want to share your story? Send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the Anchor app or at anchor.fm slash yourqueerstory. And if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. See you next week. Bye. Bye.